NFL front offices and executives did a lot of rankings lately, and they ranked Minka Fitzpatrick as the number one safety in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talk about why it's so important, a a certain shift the Steelers have been able to give Minka Fitzpatrick that's helped him retain that title in the NFL, and who else could be joining him as far as the best players at their positions that the Steelers have that are in the younger part of their roster grow up to be some of those great players we'll talk about that and some pirates baseball some of the vets what should they do with the trade with trading some of the vets or keeping them from the long haul it's the north shore drive podcast the wednesday edition from your host chris carter we've got adam bittner on today let's get into it you are now listening to the north shore drive podcast a show on all things pittsburgh sports from the writers of the pittsburgh post gazette hosted by christopher carter Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. You can find all of our content at post-gazette.com, but you can find all of our podcast content on any of your favorite podcasting apps, but especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily content and especially our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast where we talk to our different Pittsburgh sports writers here about the topics around the city. Now, today we've got Adam Bittner. One of our great guys here at the Post Gazette. He's always behind the scenes, so we're bringing him in front of the scenes and on camera here. You can always find his show with Paul Zeiss here during the week. But, Adam, I wanted to talk to you about these rankings. They come out every year. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN breaks them out. He talks to executives across the NFL, and he, ha- he asks them to, to rank uh, different the, who the best players are at different positions. And we've seen some interesting groupings here, uh, but – The latest one that came out this week was Minka Fitzpatrick, and he was ranked as the number one safety, and some saying it's not even close that he is the number one safety with Derwin James being the guy ranked ranked behind him. But I thought it was really interesting, Adam, how the quote that that, that Jeremy used from – uh, the NFL pers- from an NFL personnel director said that, you know, not only is it not close, is that the part of it is that the Steelers have to keep him moving because if he's stationary, coordinators can plan for him. But every single play, there's that feeling of where is he going to be? He's in the post, the slot, the nickel, the box. He's capable, willing and, and able to handle all of that. He's brilliant, works, studies and loves the game. Adam We've seen Minka Fitzpatrick kind of have to play a center field role. But last year when they added DeMonte KZ, it seemed like it gave him more flexibility to do these things in the Steelers defense. And that allowed him to lead the NFL in interceptions and kind of set the tone that the, that these executives are talking about in uh, in this in this latest article. Yeah, I, I think KZ was a big part of that. And I also think that they got better play at middle linebacker. I, I know a lot of Steelers fans weren't thrilled with it and and there's reason for that but Devin Bush and Robert Spillane were better than they were in 2021 um they were better at that position so he didn't have to step up into um you know run support as much and and I think that that's that's really the thing that changed the conversation from 2021 when he wasn't generating those turnovers um as much to, to 2022 when we saw him making more big plays so that's why I'm you know going forward interested to see how this new crop of, of inside linebackers is going to perform because I think that's going to have a big impact on, um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick first and foremost, because we've seen that difference. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so that's why I think the pressure is on those guys like Landon Roberts um, to, to step up Cole Holcomb. 
and and you know make sure that at least they're as good as they were at last year at middle linebacker and hopefully a little bit better because I think the better you get at, at stopping the run with, with those guys in the middle, the the more you can free Minka Fitzpatrick to do what he does best um, and and make some big plays. So um, that's you know I I think that's that's the key to retaining that title when we're sitting here recording a podcast like this you know during the All Star break next year. Right. I think that's that's going to be a big factor for Minka Fitzpatrick is, is, is that flexibility. And I, I think it's also going to be interesting with having a Patrick Peterson back there in the secondary, because another factor here that plays in also on top of personnel wise was also the coordinator change. Tara Lawson was the secondary coach. And I can tell you there were lots of practices where as soon as Minka Fitzpatrick came off the field, him and the, the two of them would talk and they would kind of go over things. Now, Tara Lawson is the defensive coordinator. And you see just watching when I watch the all 22, I see the Steelers doing a lot more disguises, a lot more coverage packages that kind of hide what's going on in the secondary disguising cover two to, to look like cover three and vice versa to try to fool people. But part of being able to do that is having veterans who know where to be, when to be, and how those different roles all play off each other while also studying a whole bunch to get to that point. And that's something that Minka Fitzpatrick does very well. That's something that he said that also Patrick Peterson does very well. And that's why it could be an interesting addition to have him on the, in, the, in the secondary to pair with Minka Fitzpatrick. Not that they'll line up side by side, but having those guys in the secondary to kind of coordinate because you got a lot of younger guys like Joey Porter Jr. you're trying to add to there, but you also have veterans like Demonte Casey who can understand where, where to be and can work with those guys. I think that there's a lot of potential for the Steelers to get to, to still be one of those league leading teams and in interceptions. And that being a huge part of their identity defensively on top of the return of TJ Watt being fully healthy and then being able to also be one of the best pa- pass rushing teams in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with all of those things. I, I think that that's, that's, they've, they did those things better last season. And, and this is where we're talking a lot about the growth and, and how it's sometimes incremental, right? It is you don't go from being terrible and in, in run defense like you were last year to being great. It, you make incremental changes. And I think they're building to the point where um, they can maybe do more of the things that they, they were wanting to do in 2021, but didn't necessarily have the personnel. Well, either didn't have the personnel or didn't have guys performing at the level to, to get the most out of their best players. And I think that's that's why there was talk about should you let, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick go? Should should you move on from him? Is safety a position where you want to be investing a bunch of money? And now they've given themselves to prove why he was worth investing in, right? Um, and and that, that that made sense. I think you saw the start of that last season. And, and you know, moves like Patrick Peterson, I guess those are the uns, unsung elements of that. Is, is that you just have more freedom to do those things and keep making that incremental improvement. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it is can you take another step this season from, from the improvement you made last season? Can they take another step? That's going to be a big question uh, moving forward that we'll, that we'll keep talking about here. But I want to talk about the steps that other players can make to kind of get to the level, maybe not that make it Fitzpatrick and TJ Water on, but in that conversation to be among the best players in the NFL at their position. The Steelers have a lot of younger guys on their team. We'll talk about that after the break here on the North Shore Drive podcast that is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh, where there's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. You can schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors, but to find the right product for your home and budget, just be able to just call their their number, 866 593 
1560 to discuss your project with them. Again, that's 866-593-1560 to get in touch with Pella Windows and Doors and get the best windows and doors installation installation that you can in the city. We're also brought to you by GameTime.co, the, the easiest place to buy tickets for your favorite events where doing that won't be stressful. Why? Because GameTime is, Game is an app that you can download right to your phone right now to buy tickets for your favorite sports events, music events, comedy, concerts, theater, all those things available to you right now with killer deals, even on last minute tickets because they have a best price guarantee that just can't be beat. Again, download the Game Time app today and it'll allow you to book tickets even up to the last minute if you didn't plan far out in advance. Don't know about you guys. That happens to me a lot sometimes. I, I don't know that I'm going to be free for some events and then you see it there and you're like, oh man, I'd really love to go see this group that's in town. This is where you just log on, log on to GameTime.co right on your phone and you can get exclusive flash deals on the on the concert that you're missing out on the comedy event the football basketball baseball games whatever game time has got you and their best price guarantee means that they will always have the best price and if you find tickets somewhere else for in the, for the same event for the same section, same row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference of those tickets. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, gametime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Adam Bittner from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're talking think, some still more Steelers here before we switch to the Pirates. Adam, want to talk to you about this aspect of it. So we were just talking about how ESPN's doing their rankings and they're coming out and they're bringing up you know, the, the different positions and where different, different groups rank. Now, Mika Fitzpatrick, he's going to be consistently in, in that position, right. Of, of, of one of the top, you know, safeties there. You look at edge rushers, TJ Watts in that conversation, Cam Hayward's a little bit in that conversation. Still, I think he should be high up on the list. I think they listed him at nine in their top 10 rankings, but still that's uh, you know, he's in that conversation. But the question I have for you, Adam, is who of the younger players in the Steelers and younger being anywhere from like, you know, 27 on, on, on down, Guys that aren't in that conversation, who do you think are the next Steelers to put themselves there, or do they have any? Because if they if they do, it could really put this team over the top. But if they don't, it could be the factor that holds some of these greater great players back from getting their chance to shine in bigger moments for the Steelers in the next few years. Yeah, I don't think any of these these names I'm going to throw out there are home runs to to definitely become that. But who you know you're looking at upside here, right? Who has the potential? Yes. Who can you craft the argument around? I, I would start with George Pickens, I think, at receiver. He he has all of the physical tools. I think for me it's a question of, of whether he can start to apply them. Um, you know, we know he can make the, the great, you know, go up and get them catches. Can he can he round out his game a little bit more and, and make some of those more explosive plays with his legs, get some more yards after the catch? Um, you know, I, we, we talked about that, I think, with Chase Claypool for a long time. Yeah, I think George did. Pickens is now – you know, in that conversation, if you, you see the potential. It's just a question of whether he can access it in a way uh, that Chase Claypool absolutely did not. Then another name I'll throw out there, I think Najee Harris still has a chance. Um, you know, the Derrick Henry run was not immediate. It, it was a little bit of a slow burn. Took three and, years. Yeah, so I, I think making that comparison to another Alabama back is 
um, reasonable. And, and I think that they're doing the things along the offensive line and building that and making it a priority that he has the potential to be that. Um, you know, and, and he, we saw him be more elusive at the end of last season. I wrote a lot early in the season about how he wasn't when he was dealing with that injury. And, but, you know, by the end of the season, those elusiveness stats were there. So I, I can see the argument for Najee Harris. I think there's a lot, there's a long way to go between here and there, but I can see the argument for him. And I'll throw Joey Porter Jr. out there. I, I think mm. just because he's so young um, and we haven't seen him in the NFL, it's kind of hard to, to really say that you think that that's going to happen. But I think he has the coverage ability. It's a question of whether he can make some, um, you know, bigger plays, some splash plays that that change his reputation from, you know, kind of just a coverage guy to someone who's a, a complete cornerback. So those are those will be my three. I, I, I like your three there. I, I want to revisit your point about George Pickens. I think that's also very interesting, your comparison to Chase Claypool. People, I think Steelers fans remember Chase Claypool now as like, hey, that's the guy that was goofing off at the Vikings game, and he was the diva. We traded away and got a second-round pick for him. So that's, what we, that's how Steelers fans think about Chase Claypool now. But after his rookie season, that guy, there was a lot of problems with that guy. He was a problem. For, for teams he was a touchdown machine for ben roethlisberger um he was he was a huge part of the uh, the perceived future with uh with with the steelers and i mean he was a big talking point going into last training camp if he could if he could emerge to be that to be that guy uh i mean he had nine touchdowns as a rookie he hasn't had i think he's had three since uh uh you know in the in the last two years but part of you said part of what you said there the the yards after the catch being more consistent that's those are something that those are some things that George Pickens does have to work on. When we talked to him in OTAs and minicamp, one of the things he said was, "I've been working on my routes, my, my, my routes, and being sharper with my footwork to get more separation, so I can get more yards after the catch." And I do think that that's something to remind everyone is that you know both of these guys, Chase Claypool was a second round pick, George Pickens was a second round pick. You know, it's. It's not as some. It's not as easy to just come to people and for that to happen. I think as some people make it out to be, but I do think that George Pickens. One thing that he has on his side that Chase Claypool doesn't, because Chase Claypool did occasionally make really good receptions. But one thing that you saw sometimes that he wouldn't get to the ball at its highest point. That is something that George Pickens does a lot. His hands are are often as far out and extended from his body as possible. And to me, that is one of the small things that I look for in really good receivers. See, are you a hands catcher? Are you not letting the ball get into your frame? Are you bringing bringing it in by clutching it outside, clasping it in, and winning those those combat catches? Chase Claypool won those occasionally. I think George Pickens wins them at a much higher rate. Yeah, and listen, I mean, we know what it looks like, right? We know what Antonio Brown in his prime looked like when he was able to do all of those things well, and he was, a, you know, the most complete receiver in the NFL other than maybe Julio Jones. Um, yep. So it's going to take work. I d- certainly didn't see that George Pickens on the field as a rookie, but you, you see the tools, and and it's here's the thing. We have these discussions in the offseason because we see that potential, and, we you know, it's just an easy conversation to have. But this it's hard, too. And I think that's why maybe people take Antonio Brown and what he was for granted a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially because he's become so spacey in his later years. Um, but it takes a lot of work. And, and I think that's what you're seeing with George Pickens is he has the tools. Can he can he put in the work to be that guy? Chase Claypool didn't. Um, you know, it, it seems like I, I see a lot more intensity from George Pickens. I remember even yelling on the sideline last season. So I, I can see it. It's just it's it's a it's the most competitive position I think in football right now. 
Um, you know, is it the most important? I think you can have those debates, but there's so many guys at, at that receiver position. There's guys in the XFL and the USFL who have skill, but just because it's such a competitive position, they're not even in the pros at all. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna take a lot just to go from maybe he's a top twenty receiver to a top five. I mean, it's it's a very competitive space, but I think he has the tools to get there. Also talk about Najee Harris because your comparison to Derrick Henry is something that I actually bring up a lot because people were getting on Najee Harris for not having a hundred yard rushing game over like a certain stretch of plays or a certain stretch of games. I think it was like nine games or something. And I was pointing back, I pointed back to like a few seasons where like, Oh man, you mean like how Derrick Henry used to have that in his second year in the NFL. And uh, you know, Derrick Henry, you know, had a little bit different of a situation, but still was a was a was a high pick that the, the Titans were expecting to take over. It, it took his third year for him to get a thousand yards rushing, and it really took his fourth year before he became the superstar player in 2019 that we know him now as King Henry and the and the big time guy now. And he's had over 1,500 yards three times in four years since then. Najee Harris is a different back than Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has, has crazy separation speed that when he hits, if you give him a lane, he's taking it to the house. Najee Harris may not have that, but I think that what Najee Harris does have is the ability to make people miss, whether it's by outmaneuvering them in space or by just being more physical than them in space. And I think that he has Le'Veon Bell-like qualities in this in the way for his ability to just get going forward and kind of take the yards that are there. And you're right. Early on in the season, when he had a steel plate in his shoe, he was not he was not as elusive as he could have been. Um, and but but also at the same time, he's also getting blasted a lot in the backfield. And I think one thing that kind of illustrates his ability to kind of extend plays even when things are going wrong is when you look at his missed tackle force stat on Pro Football Focus, he had the sixth most most of it missed tackles forced by running backs in the NFL. That was that that's ahead of Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, Christian McCaffrey and a lot of other big names in the NFL. I, I think that, with, like you said, with the Steelers' investments in the offensive line, Roderick Jones, Isaac Sayomalu, keeping Mason Cole, James Daniels, Chukuma Korafor, I, I think that with the investments they've made into the offensive line, not only will you see, I think, Najee Harris – still making those missed tackles being forced. I think you'll see them happen at higher levels, and I think you'll see more of them because he, most of them won't be having to happen behind the line of scrimmage the way they have over the last two years. Yeah, I think with, with Najee, you're you're hoping to see him turn those four-yard four runs into eight-yard runs, right? And, and, and just add a little bit, add a little bit, because I don't think he's ever going to be that breakaway speed guy, like you said. Right. I don't think we're going to be seeing him, uh, you know, I kind of think of uh, Nick Chubb or – yeah, Nick Chubb up in Cleveland, and, and the way he just kind of seems to break away. I don't think that Najee's that kind of back, but can he be that guy who's who's really putting you ahead of the sticks consistently? And if he is, he's going to get a ton of carries. And I think if he gets a ton of carries, he's going to get a ton of yards. And and that's where um, that's where I think he can really thrive is is finding that difference between four and eight yards and and becoming just a little bit more explosive. Um, I, I think you're you're right. He's good at getting the yards that are made available to him, but that's the difference between a solid average back, a reliable guy, which is what I think he's been for the Steelers. And being one of those game-changing backs, the guys who make the money at that position in the league that doesn't want to pay that position. So um, th that's that's where I'm looking for him to improve this year is just, just getting a little bit more out of each run, just finding a little bit more space behind those linemen, 
We're maybe making those holes just a little bit bigger. And, and I think if he can do that, he can get into that 12, 1300 yard range and start to enter, you know, that conversation. I, I certainly think that if he does that, he will be in that conversation because I think people there's people that recognize that he's a talented back. He just needs the right situation. We'll see how that plays out. We got to switch topics and go to the Pirates here in, in just a minute. Stick with us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We got more to talk right here after the All-Star game was was completed the national league one we're not going to talk about that as much but we want to talk about where the pirates are not just uh, how their games look but how their roster looks and things that they could be doing with it in just a minute here on the north shore drive podcast stick with us we'll be right back back here on the north shore drive podcast chris carter adam bittner breaking things down for you adam the Pirates are coming out of the All-Star break now. They've they you know they they put themselves in a position where you know they're kind of back to you know Jason and I talked about this on Monday. They're kind of back to where we expected them to be a little bit under 500, fourth in division, 41 and 49 uh, where they stand. But they they brought in a lot of veterans who could help set the right tone for the clubhouse on what is a very young Pittsburgh Pirates roster in a lot of respects. There's a lot of guys, I think, still figuring out their way in in the majors, trying to understand what it takes to be part of a winning ball club consistently. And that's why, you know, Jason and I talked about this leading into the season. That's why Kutch was a huge, which a huge ad and Bob Nutting talked about. They won't trade Andrew McCutcheon, Carlos Santana in that mix, Rich Hill in that mix. But the question is, if this if the Pirates continue their path right now, where they haven't been winning a whole lot, they, their May was terrible, their June wasn't great. It's really April that has held that have propped them up because they went twenty and eight, and we all knew that couldn't sustain. But if this continues on this trajectory, when do the Pirates start being sellers as far as trying to maybe unload some of these veteran pieces they have to get? prospect pieces to keep building for the future or do they not do that because they're still intent on building these younger players and having the veterans to kind of guide them in that path yeah i think it's a difficult conversation chris because i I was talking to my buddy about this the other night um rich hill i think is is the place you kind of start is is from the moment they signed him people were talking about what can you flip him for at the trade deadline (laughs) and and i just wonder where those innings are coming from if you get rid of him and, and his staff has not been to the point – I mean, I think if a team is, is trading for him, they're trading on reputation, right, that he's a veteran player who knows how to win in the postseason, you know, that the, he can offer that to you if you're a contender um, <clears throat> because his stats aren't good. He's, he's getting the ball tattooed. I mean, it's, it's his exit velocity, his launch angle numbers are not good. Um, you know, I don't know that there's an analytical case for a team to be trading for him. I think it's it's based on can you can he be better in a change of scenery and a change of role? Maybe he's more of a relief guy than a starter, a guy you can bring in that has a, a slow heartbeat in in those crunch time moments in the postseason. That's what you're relying on. I don't I don't know how much you get for that, Chris. And and, and I think he's more valuable to the Pirates in being able to eat some of these innings where they just don't have many guys that are really knocking on the door of, of being ready to take them. Maybe Quinn Priester's on that list. There's been questions about him at, at different points. I do think we'll see him in the second half. But other than him, it, it's it's pretty barren between Rowanzi Contreras uh, being optioned to the minors, Luis Ortiz. So I think that's a, that's a hard trade for the Pirates to make. They've got to really like the return. Otherwise, things could get, I think, pretty ugly without Rich Hill. 
Because at the very least, you know, stats aren't great, but they're not terrible. And, and on this team, in this rotation at this point in time, that's important. Carlos Santana, his his power is is something I need to see improve for them to get what they they want from him. The the theory of that case was, hey, with the with the shift being banned, I, he's going to get on base at a higher rate. We've seen him get more balls through. His batting average is up about thirty points. That's good. The bad is that there's no power and the walks are at a career low. Um, I, I I know all these stats, Chris, because I I'm having a story that's I believe coming out Thursday. Um, just kind of taking an analytics look at some of these these veterans um, and, and what they've done and, and what they might have to do to, to be worth something at the trade deadline. So I've been digging into that, and that's the thing I've seen with Carlos Santana is the, the power's not there and the walks are not there, even if he brings a reliable presence. So I think, yeah, that might be a, a, a tough trade, and I think those are the two biggest pieces that you have to offer other teams. Um, so I, it's possible they could do nothing, and, and that might that might be the advisable path is – you know, these guys might be more valuable playing out the string in Pittsburgh than they are uh, getting jettisoned for, you know, a C-level prospect. No, I agree. Because that's the other thing. The payback for some of these guys wouldn't be what is worth And I just think that right now, the Pirates, they may not be in win-now mode, but they're in win-soon mode. And, and I think that they want to be in a position where – they're not selling for the future. They've done a lot of that over the years. That's that's the whole part. That, that's why when Jason broke the story about Bob Nutting talking about keeping Andrew McCutcheon, why it was such a big deal because they let Andrew McCutcheon go before and like that was the prince of the city. And and, and to me, when you see that 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 kind of backing up, saying, "Hey, the Pirates say, hey, we're not doing that this this time around." That's a sign that like, okay, they know they've punted enough for fans and that's not to say that the pirates won't punt and make other crazy mistakes because the lord knows everyone was you know sitting on their hands hoping that they didn't pass on one of the lsu guys because of all the pitchforks and torches that would be marching to the north shore had they passed up on dylan cruz or paul Skeens, and they ended up picking paul Skeens. but with the pirates i do think that there is a sense that's like hey we have we have punted long enough we have tortured the fans with the moves we had to make let's give let's give them something to to root for and i think part of it isn't necessarily just winning right now it's it's kind of having the guys who can out balance things like you said rich hill not a great pitcher right now but he's better than a lot of the other options they got and he balances out the rotation and we we see the guys that they got schemes is probably going to be you know be be up in a year or two uh priester you expect to be up up soon and that's where they want to get to is the point where they can have the young guys that they've drafted along with a lot of the skill position players or the the, the field players where they're going to be able to dominate and then they will actually have the the better roster to compete more but we always knew going into this season adam this wasn't the year even when they were 20 and 8 in april we were all saying pump the brakes celebrate this have fun with it but it ain't it ain't gonna be like like this all season but in the next couple years the pirates could be that competitive team and that's why i, I agree with you Unless someone gives you something stupid for for one of those player for one of those players we're talking about, I don't see the the need to move on from them just to get a mid level prospect. Yeah, and well, here's you know here's the thing, Chris, is that they've got to build some level of confidence here. I mean, they're on a 100 loss pace since the end of April. It's very possible that if I mean that's with those guys, Carlos Santana, Rich Hill, Andrew McCutcheon. If you start jettisoning those guys and things start getting out of control. It's it's still not out of the realm of possibility they could lose a hundred games, and I think that would be a huge gut punch. Considering, you know, we've talked all season. You got to take a step this season. You can't go from sixty-two wins 
to 82 wins in baseball. It's very rare that you make that kind of leap. It's it's very often got to be a progressive thing. They were they they were still around a 75 win pace. I think that would be a big win. I picked them for 70, so that would be you know quite a step in the right direction. But if you don't do that and you trade those guys and and you have young guys that are what we've seen in, in past seasons, they're they're in over their heads, and that's when they start getting killed in games. That's when they lose 20 to nothing. You know, is is when they have guys that are out of their depth. And, and I think that's why you have Rich Hill and Carlos Santana, so that you're not putting guys in positions to fail. And I don't think that that math changes just because there's a date on the calendar that says you can get a mid-level prospect. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's it's important for them to build confidence. I think it's important for them to get as close to 75 wins as they can. And if they do, at this point, I think, you know, that's basically being playing like a 500 team the rest of the way. If you can do that going into next season, you can write these past two months off. I, I think you feel a lot better about this franchise than you do, you know, at this exact moment. So I, I think that, that in this rare circumstances, these are guys you want to hang on to. I, I agree. I think that is the, the that is the right plan for the Pirates right now as far as how things shape out. And, and you're still hoping, like you said, they're not hoping for playoffs. But if they were playing 500 ball in, in over the next few months, this city would still be behind it. Let, let's face it. This, even with the collapse they've had in May and June, there's still excitement in this town for this team to go because there is a sense that, like, hey, they, they've got some young guys who were pretty excited to see. They've been dealing with injuries this year. There's they, They've bought themselves some capital. Do not sell that capital away by giving away guys that are helping them kind of balance things out. Show the town, the town of Pittsburgh, that you are that, that you're still invested in trying to make a winner sooner rather than later. We'll keep that we'll keep that updated with uh, how the Pirates they take they are back in action on Friday taking on the San Francisco Giants. He's Adam Bittner. He works on the sports desk here all the time here and he's all if, if y'all don't know Adam is like the mastermind behind a lot of our podcast stuff. He's helping manage stuff in the background. I send stuff to him. I let him know what I'm talking about and he's making it look good and put it out on the internet. So big shout out to Adam for all the great work that he does here for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm your host Chris Carter. You can check out all of these podcasts that we do here for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette on your favorite podcasting apps. Just look for the just look for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette and the North Shore Drive podcast. The North Shore Drive podcast. This this show that right here is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday every week, breaking down the biggest topics in Pittsburgh sports. We'll keep everything going. We'll be back Friday, but check out all the daily content that comes from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. You can also read all our work at post-gazette.com. Thanks everyone for checking in. We'll be back Friday with another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.